Hey, what's up? It's episode 92, Pain Points of Wealth, and markets have finally rallied. Economic data, well, still not great. Earnings, not bad. But the markets, again, forward-looking, are telling you about the future. We're going to break that down today. We're going to explain why the market went up, even in the light of huge inflation, huge geopolitical issues. We're going to break it down for you. And today, on The Tipping Point, we're going to talk about what Wall Street loves to sell you, the products, the schemes that you need to avoid to make sure you're on your path to financial independence. Check it out. We got a great show. Welcome to The Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, what are you talking about? The market finally went up. The market's at a seven-week high, right? I mean, it's been moving. And that just goes to show you how difficult it is to be an investor, right? We just got hit with a 75 basis point hike. That's three quarters of 1% from good old Jerome Powell. That's two back-to-back 75 basis point hikes. Then the GDP report comes in negative, right? So we have two negative quarters back-to-back. Historically, we, the economists had defined that as a recession. The Biden administration says, well, whoa, slow down. It's, maybe it's just a slowdown. Maybe it's not a recession. Maybe we should redefine it. But nonetheless, the earnings are coming in really strong. The markets aren't priced to perfection, but they're certainly priced to where I think anyone who invests today will be a very, very happy camper anywhere in the next year or two. And let's be honest, that's been the theme of our podcast for the last couple of weeks, like embrace the gloom, right? I mean, when the negative news is out there, we talked about institutional money managers have been underweight the market, just like they were back when the great financial crisis happened, right? When the great bubble, tech bubble burst, and they're always caught, I shouldn't say it this way, with their proverbial pants down. And you're seeing the same thing now. We're getting this huge melt up in stocks. Meanwhile, these professionals have been sitting in cash and they're saying, wait a second here, we probably need to get this money to work. And now all of a sudden you have this panic, this panic buying going on. And you know, that's what leads to these huge rallies that come out of nowhere. Well, the funny thing is, you, know, you have strategists all over the street falling over each other to come up with a lower forecast for the year. And once they're all in consensus that we're going to finish the year around 3,600, 3,700 S&P, we jump to 4,100. So it'll be, I can't wait till they come out with their new projection this week. Can you imagine trying to manage your client's money listening to these people? Well, you know what, Dad? I met with some very long-term clients of ours yesterday, and uh, they are convinced that you have a crystal ball, and they think that you know exactly where the market is going. So they said they're staying in because of what you're saying. Well, that's good. I don't have a crystal ball. It broke when I was in college. Actually, I didn't have a crystal ball in college because I could barely afford, you know, a cup. So it's just, you know, it was nice to be on a full track scholarship because I didn't have any money otherwise. It was a plastic ball. I'm pretty sure Bob had a lava lamp, let's be honest. But, you know, in speaking of the 70s, you know, a lot of the headlines are talking about this stagflation, right? Stagflation. We're in a recession right now. We've got, you know, wages have gone up great, but inflation's been much higher than wages, right? 9.1% inflation print last month. And you're getting all these dire outlooks, like we're going back into the 70s. But, you know, as we've mentioned a lot here, it's like we're in this interesting stage where interest rates are now going back down. We talk about commodity prices have come back down. And meanwhile, the labor market is not cooling off at all. In fact, like you've seen baby boomers come back into the labor market because there's so many jobs to fill. So, I, you know, I'm suspect that we're going to see stagflation here. But we are seeing the signs that the economy is going to be OK. And, you know, OK is good. 
Well, I think Jerome Powell's done a great job. As we've said week after week, he's had his foot on the brake, not trying to kill the economy. He's trying to slow it down. And I think he's doing a really good job. I mean, not every company came out with great spectacular earnings, even though 70% of the companies that have reported have been positive on their earnings. But remember, they're ratcheting those earnings down a little bit, you know, since we've had all this negative headwinds to contend with. But, you know, we can't declare victory just yet, gang. You know, we still have inflation. We still have a Fed that's behind the curve. There's a chance that rates could go higher. But that's why you have to be an investor and you have to make moves in this market. You just can't be all or none. Because if you're sitting on the sidelines right now and you got out of the market, I don't even care if you get out in January. You're wondering, like, now what do I do? As you're still making nothing on your cash. Well, you know, I think the answer is obvious. You're guaranteed to lose 9% in your cash account. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to lose 9% by just sitting in cash. So hopefully we'll see inflation start to come down, right? The Federal Reserve said once they see some signs, they'll start to slow down on their hikes. You know, the way the market acted this last week, you would think, wow, they're going to stop hiking immediately. Of course, you don't know what the Federal Reserve is going to do, but it doesn't matter what they say they're going to do because they're not committed to it, right? They change as the information changes. And that's why investing is so hard in terms of being a timer. There's millions and millions of smart people making decisions every second of the day. Well, that's where it's just so hard to game the market. You know, going back to what I was just talking about, these institutional managers, the pros, quote unquote, you know, they probably have more economic data than any of us could even like dream of having. They have more insight to companies. They're actually talking to the company CEOs and CFOs, so they know what's going on, and they still can't make good decisions. And to your point, Bob, right, it's like their information versus the collective wisdom of the market, like everyone weighing in. And that's what essentially is in that stock price is just like everyone's opinion so that's a much more accurate view because I heard this come out last week. It was like all the economists said, whoa, whoa, the market didn't act the right way. They're not listening to the Fed the way they should be. Well, the market's right and you're wrong. <laughs> you know, So you're wrong. The market's right and the market's telling you that we're on to some greener pastures somewhere in the future. Yeah, the market's smarter than all of us. And that's the one thing you should never, ever forget. If the market's not doing what you think it should do based on the news, you're wrong, not the market. The other interesting phenomenon right now is just like, you know, how many earnings ex expectations have beat again? Like, you know, we really expected going into this earnings season, there's gonna be a lot of disappointments. And as of this recording, you still had 70% of companies beat what the expectations were, which is just remarkable. It just shows you again, that negative tilt that Wall Street has is typically wrong. And you typically see the optimism always beats pessimism over the long term when it comes to being an investor. Yeah, I know. When you're bombarded, though, every night with the news that we're in a recession, we're in, you know, I loved it the other night. One of the administrations said that uh, we're not even in a pre-recession. Well, of course we are. We're always in a pre-recession, right? If the cycle is up, then it eventually goes down. But, you know, meanwhile, we're creating great jobs, as you said, Rye. Household finances are the best shape in history. And so you're seeing a lot of consumer spending. And, you know, just take a look at what Amazon came in with their second quarter. $132 billion in revenue for a quarter. You know, and I know our household was a big part of that because there's an Amazon box outside my door every day. And, you know, just look what happened with Apple, right? I mean, Apple's just such a great company. Look at their revenue, almost $83 billion for the quarter. I mean, these are big numbers and they're continuing to grow. So there's some really great companies out there and there's never a bad time to be invested in the market as long as you're diversified across other great companies. You know, you can't just pick one winner. It doesn't work that way. No, because if you picked Facebook last week, you'd be very disappointed today, right? Because they got creamed. And that's the other thing, too, is, I mean, you don't want to have concentration in any one company because of creative destruction. I mean, I think the whole 
social media issue that you're having, if you're Facebook slash Instagram meta, whatever they're called now, or your Snap or any of these other social media platforms, well, TikTok came out of nowhere, is now eating their lunch. And it's not hard to sign up for this new app, right? You can lose your viewership like with a snap of a finger in the technological age, which just shows you creative destruction is always happening. Any company is vulnerable. I mean, even Amazon, as far as great as they are, you can disrupt e-commerce pretty easily. There's no company that's infallible, and that's why you have to spread out your risk because you just never know when that creative destruction is going to happen. Hey, Chris, I'm never going to forgive Ryan for telling us you and I were crazy for wanting to sell books on the internet. And that guy Bezos stole our idea, and look what happened. We missed it. <laughs> Thanks, Rye. Well, you know what, Rye? Speaking of creative destruction, I believe Dad had over 6,000 views on Instagram Reels the other day. I think Bob dropped a big bomb on the internet. Everybody's watching Bob now. Forget about Elon Musk. Bob's got Bobcoin now. He's a social media star. If you go to our Pain Capital Management Instagram, you can check out Bob's newest Reel. But you're right. I mean, Bob is the ultimate disruptor. He's always doing new things, yet his hair is always the same as it was before. So it's like a dichotomy. You always keep him guessing, Bob. Well, you know, so far, guys, the supply chain has been disrupted, but I'm able to get my two pay tapes. So good news there. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 92, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years. That's a long time helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you want to get a review of everything you're doing right now and you have saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, Bob, Chris, and I will run for your total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. We do 10 of these every week. We literally will go through every investment you own. We'll look at every fee you're paying. We'll look at how tax-optimized your portfolio is or isn't. We'll give you our full tax playbook. We're actually going to build for you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and then we'll hone in on every single issue that you have. We'll look if you have an income plan for financial independence. How are you going to draw from your portfolios? If you're getting close to retirement, how do you take Social Security? There's hundreds of ways to take it. We'll show you how to optimize how to take Social Security, how to draw from your portfolio so you don't run out of money, and we'll look at diversification. Is your portfolio over-concentrated in the wrong areas? Are you feeling the pain right now as markets are volatile? Or are you sitting with cash, paralysis by analysis, earning nothing on your money as inflation's over 9%? We'll put together a full investment game plan to show you how to grow your money but protect it over the rest of your life. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, in our collective 75 years in the financial services industry at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, you know, we've analyzed close to like 50 portfolios a month. There's probably not a firm out there that sees as many strategies as we do. We know what everyone else is doing out there. We know what our competitors are doing. We know what every financial services firm is doing. And we find, I know this is shocking, but in our industry, a lot of the products that are sold in our industry well, they're great for the firm that sold them and great for the commission to the broker that sold them, but they're not necessarily the best place for you to put your money. It's kind of like buyer beware. Well, you know what, Ryan? Well, the first one I like is those fancy, shiny sales brochures and proposals. And I'll give you a, a real world example. So this week, I was doing a proposal analysis for one of our existing clients, and he had a proposal from PNC Bank and had all this really great graphics on it, talked about beta and alpha and all these really fancy, highfalutin terms. 
But after analyzing the thing for about two hours, I found that he's paying almost 2% in fees. There's no diversification. And here's the best part. Not only did they put bond funds in this portfolio, they put high yield bonds, which another word for that is junk bonds. Yeah, as Bob likes to say, there's been more money lost chasing for yield than at the point of the gun. And that's one of the, the traps that Wall Street tries to get you in, right? They try to lure you in with these like high yields, these crazy high yields. It's like, meanwhile, I can borrow money at three, four, maybe 5% now, but all of a sudden I'm going to get a financial product that's going to pay me seven, 8%. There's a problem there, Bob. I don't know. <laughs> you know that, that's not necessarily a very safe investment. And there's probably a risk you could lose your principal in that situation. Well, that's the whole idea. It's like it's a return on your money, but you want a return of your money. And whenever some salesperson pitches you on an idea where the yield sounds too good to be true, just ask yourself this question. How much do I have to pay to borrow money from the bank today, whether I'm taking out a mortgage or a line of credit? And if it's two thirds less or, you know, 10 times less than what this investment's going to generate, you got to ask yourself another question. What kind of credit risk are you that you got to borrow at such a high rate of return when I'm not a big company, I'm an individual and I can borrow a lot less than what you're trying to borrow at? So it's a lot of times when you have an investment where the yield is higher than your hat size, you got to do a lot of due diligence or better yet, just walk away. Yeah, don't walk away, run away. And, you know, because it is really about protecting your principal. And we've seen it over and over again. You lose your principal in a lot of these investments. And that's something you can't afford when you're trying to build your financial independence plan. The other investment that just gets sold, not bought on Wall Street, are those just insurance products like annuities where they give you like a guaranteed income for life. They protect your principal. And all this stuff sounds really good. They use words like guarantee. I don't know how they're able to use words like guarantee. That blows my mind. But what we found with all these products is whenever you get a benefit, you have to give something up that's greater. And whatever you give up that's greater, it's not worth whatever benefit they're giving you. You know, guys, I've got a good friend whose brother was an actuary. And in his definition, what an actuary is, is a CPA with a personality bypass. You know, I can't take credit for that joke. That was what he used to tell people. But he worked in the insurance industry and he said, these are very complex. All these products are very complex. And he can guarantee, almost virtually guarantee, there's not one salesperson that understands the complexity of it, let alone how the client could possibly know, the investor could know the complexity of it when the salesperson doesn't understand it. Oh, I mean, think about all the spreadsheets you have to build just to like understand how some of these annuities work, right? I mean, we can spend literally days just trying to unwind all the different calculations and formulas. And then you break it down and you realize, oh, you're better off in a CD than owning one of these products. It's actually kind of crazy. Well, you know what I think, guys? I think the only thing that's really guaranteed here is that if you see a fancy brochure, chances are it's an expensive brochure and it's going to end up costing you in your investments. Well, it reminds me too, you know, the brokerage firms love to sell these brokerage products like structured notes where, and remember back in the day, Lehman Brothers had a structured note and the note basically said, as long as Lehman Brothers doesn't go out of business, which is impossible, that could never happen, you're guaranteed to get your money back. And that was like, if you go to the last page of the prospectus, you know, in the smallest writing, that was the one caveat with this product. Well, guess what? Lehman Brothers went out of business. So this quote unquote, very safe Wall Street investment ended up having people lose all of their money. Well, you know, from my days on Wall Street, I learned, guys, it's uh, the shinier the brochure, the more the two out of three rule comes into play. And what's that rule? Well, the advisor's going to make money, the firm's going to make money, and a client not so lucky. So two out of three is pretty good odds in any industry, except for when you're buying something that's represented by a shiny brochure. I think what Dad's saying is always be the broker. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
The other thing that I always find interesting too is a lot of these brochures will use hypothetical returns in the past. You know, a lot of these hedge fund strategies or these new strategies will say, well, we back tested it. And it's so easy to cherry pick back in the past the best time to show those numbers to you. When everyone says they're going to do a hypothetical of the past and a strategy that never existed before, like, give me a break. <laughs> you know, it's like that is so cherry picked. And a lot of the annuities and insurance companies are really, really guilty of this. We'll say, well, if you would have owned this over this time frame, and it's always a weird time frame, right? It's like seven years and three months. They just pick the best time that this strategy would have worked. And then they extrapolate that out into the future. So I'm always wary about those hypotheticals, especially if a product or investment didn't exist before. So they're trying to recreate the past. It's very easy to recreate the past, not the future. Well, I'll tell you what, every annuity salesperson I've ever spoke to, I asked them, I said, well, what's the return over the last 10 years? I can't tell you. Why is that? Well, everybody's different. I said, well, give me an example. No, I can't. can't tell you. <laughs> they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know that these things don't work you're going to end up getting your own money back and you're going to end up with a return maybe 1% or 2% you know, over the life of the investment. Just again, it's not, not picking on annuities and insurance products, but they are pretty bad. But there's plenty of others, you know, non-traded REITs, structured products. Whenever I see these big brochures, all I think of is loads and loads and piles and piles of fees. Yeah, and somebody's getting it rich is not you, right? I mean, just words like guarantee, principal protection, income for life, they sound great, but buyer beware. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 92, Pain Points of Wealth. We're over 100,000 downloads. Thanks for the support. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us that five-star rating on iTunes. If this is on Spotify, you can just join up, subscribe. And if it's on YouTube right now, you can literally click the subscribe button, click that little notification bell. So you can be updated every week of all our new content. And you know, if there's anything you want us to address here on the show, get the conversation going. Go to our Instagram, write a little note under Bob's newest clips. He's an internet star now. Check it out. But go to our Instagram, Pain Capital Management. Check it out. And again, thank you for the support. We appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying episode 92. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, more than half of Generation Z adults, hard to believe they're adults now, between the ages of 18 and 25 are already investors, with 26% invested in individual stocks. This would make them more financially active than any previous generation at their age. They're actually more active with their trading as well. A recent survey found that 73% of Gen Z investors traded actively. This year compared to just 28% of Generation X and only 25% of baby boomers. So they're the ones doing the true speculation, it sounds like. I don't know, Roy. I'm confused. What, the, what are these, all alphabet people? I think so, Bob. I think they're getting lazier. <laughs> so we had baby boomers and millennials, but it's just an X and Y. I don't know. Well, as, as uh, several of my clients who I've been with for a long, long time always say to me, they have to learn. You know, if they want to speculate in individual stocks, let them. You know, you got to blow yourself up. It's to get your attention to find out how to be a really good investor. I think a lot of these kids had invested in crypto and meme stocks. I think they've got their wake-up call. So fortunately, they didn't have a lot of money to lose. Now they can start putting serious money to work with pros like us. Yeah, and it's cool too. That means we got a whole nother generation of people that are going to invest. Like that's good to keep the markets liquid and keep the interest in the capital markets, which are a great wealth builder. Chris, Bill Gates, the largest private owner of U.S. farmland, said on social media, that he is going to be investing in more farmland. I never would have guessed that uh, Bill Gates owned more farmland, I guess, uh, than anyone else. That's crazy. From Microsoft to Microgreens, and actually it's reported that he's making almost $700 million a year on the rents on these farms. 
wow, he needs the money. So that definitely uh, probably helps the cause. He did have a big divorce recently, so I feel his pain. I'm shocked he's not putting it all to gold. Or Bobcoin. Yeah, or maybe we'll maybe put some in Bobcoin. Let me see. You know, gold, Bob, produces no income, basically has no industrial use, looks good around the person you love. I can't figure out why everyone would put their money in gold. Go figure. All right, Bob, median home prices in the U.S. went from 275000 to 400000 in three years. That's more than a 15% compounded annual growth rate in just three years. Compared with roughly 5% a year in the prior decade of COVID, it might be a little bit overdone. What do you think? Might be a little extended. You know, all markets and real estate's a market. It's no different than the stock market, the bond market, commodity market, right? It goes up and down. It's volatile. And remember, all markets revert to the mean. So when you have something that's outperforming to historical rate of return, chances are it's ready for a correction. Yeah. And speaking of real estate and rents, this is my pain, no pun intended. New York rents set records last quarter. In much of Manhattan and Brooklyn, median asking prices jumped 40% or more from 2021. I can relate to this. In Manhattan, the biggest rise was in the area covering Soho, Little Italy, and Nolita, where I live. The median rent is up 51% at $4,825. It's painful here in the village, guys. Yeah, right. Well, you know, your lease is coming up soon. You're trying to find a new place and you're experiencing this. Maybe it's time to take a page out of Bill Gates' book, move out to Iowa, get yourself some farmland. I'm ready. I'm ready. So uh, you guys can run the show without me. <laughs> hey, so hope you enjoyed episode 92, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, you can click the like button, click the subscribe button. That notification bell will be updated every week of all our new content. We appreciate your support. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.